Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Walk On Radio. This one is a special guest episode. As uh, if you listen to Into the Heights with Jason and Travis Kelsey, me and my mother are big fans of the podcast. And before the Super Bowl, they did a special episode with their parents. And I thought it'd be a really cool idea if I got my own mother on the episode on, on Walk On Radio. So I'm here with Danielle Meyer, my mother. How are you doing today? Hello, son. Thank you, Kelsey Brothers, for making moms cool again. Yeah, so I thought it was a really cool episode. Uh, they got to talk about their parents and, you know, especially for them being in the Super Bowl, it was a really big deal and a really special week for them. And so I thought it'd be a cool idea to have my mother just to kind of talk about my journey, a little bit even about her and and just how things have been, because you don't really get to hear a mother's perspective very much. And there's a lot of good stories behind it. And, and it's definitely hard to be a college athlete mother, as we'll kind of get into it. But before we talk about me, I kind of want to talk about you for a little bit, because you were a sports kid growing up, uh, a sport person, an athlete. So kind of talk about, you know, where you come from and your life in, in terms of sports and, and how it impacted you. Oh, my God. My son is giving me credit for being an athlete. What? What? I know. <laughs> He, he says, I'm, I'm an old lady. I'm not an athlete. So athletics was my life. I can't remember a time where I wasn't an athlete. And that's not and, and that was my goal in life. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a PE teacher. I wanted to compete. But I at the time, the, the age that I came up with, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for women. There's very specific sports that you could continue on into college and into, excuse me, the Olympics and so far as, as a woman. So I think my specialty is baseball, softball, but I played it all. I wasn't very good at soccer. I, I wasn't a big soccer fan, but volleyball, basketball, softball, track, um, what else? Sand volleyball at some point, two, two by two volleyball. I got short as I grew older, I got short. So basketball started, I did play varsity basketball, but that, that kind of ended. So I went into softball more, um, played 5A, what we called 5A fast pitch back in the day. Played so pitch, play so pitch with your dad, played all the sports with your dad. We played a lot of rec sports together. And then I just started coaching and I started coaching. I had my first team at, I think I was 15. I, I was doing PAL league at 15. I coached a uh, high school team when I was 22, I think is when I got that one. And then I just kept coaching. And then when you guys came along, I started coaching both of you, you and your twin sister. I coached all your teams. And then finally, when you argued back, I quit. And I went up to the stands and I went, I always say I went to the very, very back row so that I could be quiet and sat in the top row and just watched. And that was difficult for a while because I would give hand signals and do all the obnoxious things that parents aren't supposed to do to, to coach their kid from the stands. And then when I realized you guys didn't want it, <clears throat> you just wanted a parent to give thumbs up and to say you did a good job. So I had to do a lot of psychological training with that to go from an athlete to a coach to just be in mom in, in the, in the stands. So that was kind of, I guess that's my journey in a nutshell. Um, I did get injured off and on through that uh, late in life. I got injured. I got in a car accident and that took me out. And then, you know, lately, uh, recently I had my, my Achilles completely re, uh, reattached. So that's taken me out a bit too. So now I'm really an old lady as Dalton calls me. 
but I'm ready. I'm ready for pickleball, man. We're <laughs> two on two pickleball. We're ready. Of course, UIW coaches killed us, but we we'll we'll need a rematch on that one. Yeah, when we uh when we had our visit here, they took us to Chicken and Pickle, a really fun spot in San Antonio where you just kind of hang out. It's a little bar area, and then you get to play pickleball. And we got to face the coaches, and didn't go well for us, but but that's okay. Uh, kind of going back to college. So were you? You kind of talk about your journey, and you went to Sacramento State. Were you an official college athlete? I know it was kind of different back in the day, especially with women's sports. It, were you? on a team were you just doing more club and recreational intramural things or were you considered you know a a athlete in the program so i went to a really small school i went to benicia high school in the bay area in uh, san francisco bay area and it was a two-way at the time no one looked at us no one especially girls no one looked at us we didn't get scholarships we weren't um that just wasn't happening to smaller schools so I didn't get a scholarship out of high school. So I played what we call this 5A fast pitch ball, which was travel ball. And that's where, I mean, all the good players were there. I mean, I saw some of the best players that went to play in the Olympics were in that circuit. So I really thought I was being real competitive playing in that circuit. Um, when I went to Sac State, I was older. I was 24. So I missed that boat of being 18, 19, 20, 21. Um, so, and I was married at the time. So... I just didn't play college ball at that point, but I was continuing to be super competitive in the, I guess you call it recreation, but at the time it was um, where all the competitive players played. And that was year round. Um, but as married life takes you, I moved to slow pitch and I moved to a really competitive slow pitch. I played co-ed and I played women's. Um, and if you play co-ed softball, slow pitch softball, and I played third base, you're in it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I had guys that were six, four, 250 pounds hitting that ball at me. So, um, no, I was never a true college athlete. Um, I was through the program as through the PE programs through uh, Sac state. So I was with all the athletes, but no, I wasn't an official college athlete at, at no point in my career. Thank you for bringing that up by the way. <laughs> well, uh, now so I'm going to go cry in my corner. Thanks. <laughs> well, at least you got uh you got me and you got Dominic. And so we kind of, hopefully we've, done what we need to do but before we get into college we need to talk about our younger days me and Dominique and so kind of talk about the young childhood of me and her were we always going to be sports kids I know Dominique kind of moved towards theater and acting and that's what she's doing now but we've both been playing sports since we were little and so kind of talk about that journey and what was the first sport me and her did and do you have any funny war stories from being a coach or just watching us play yeah I mean I knew I was going to introduce you to both sports and theater I mean I because that's where I came from uh that's where your dad came from so I knew that was going to be part of it I also had twins and I had twins that had energy to to, to boot and I needed something to burn that energy so I knew that was going to be something that I introduced to you, but I was never the type of parent that forced you to do something you didn't want to do. You had to complete it, but I wasn't going to force you into something you didn't like. And the first things obviously was T-ball, always baseball. That was something that was open to younger kids, soccer, T-ball, um, and tennis. We had you in tennis. We, sh I, I saw some talent in you in tennis pretty early on. So, you know, anything that the Y or our public recreation offered, we had you in. I mean, everything we had you in. And then we also had you in theater. 
I think five is when we started you in theater, five or six, both of you and your sister in theater. That's what people need to know that my son is a actor. He is wonderful on the stage. He can also sing. Don't let him fool you with any of that mess. Um, So I coached you in all those because of course they always needed volunteer coaches. And one of my war story, I guess it's personal for me more than you at this point is that when I coached you in baseball, men did not like a woman being out there. They didn't think I knew what I was doing. They, they did only cause I was a woman and I would have coaches come I'm not, right up into my, into my space and listen to what I was telling you as instruction. And this is five, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way up your career. And as soon as they heard what was coming out of my mouth, it would be so funny. They would take three steps back and go sit out, but no other man had that. I was the only coach that would ever have somebody kind of questioning what I was saying because I was a woman and the neat thing about you and Dominique, especially you being in, a, in male sports, it never bothered you. You had 100% faith in me that I, that, I was gonna, that I was coaching you correctly and I knew what I was talking about. You weren't embarrassed for me being out there. You, uh, matter of fact, you would bring your friends over and say, my mom can help you back. Come over and, and do some extra lessons with us. So my war story of, of growing up being your coach is, that, is all great. I mean, I, I just loved coaching you guys until you got smart and would yell at me on the field and I'd yell back and the parents in the stands would be like, why is she being so mean to him? I'm like, that's my son. He's not acting right. Um, <laughs> war stories. Um, your sister, <laughs> growing up, your sister was a better athlete. She just got things quick. She was a good listener and she was just naturally athletic. You fought it. You would rather be in your room playing with Thomas the Train and your little Lego men so you liked the camaraderie, but you weren't that big on having to, to be out there in the heat. <laughs> and so it wasn't until later on that you saw how fun competitive to be competitive was that you started really kicking into gear. Really where you were quick to be talented was on the stage. I saw you quickly being somebody to watch on the stage. You had no fear on the stage. Um, so it was actually flipped with you and your sister. It's so funny. Now your th- sister's on the stage and, and you're more of the athlete, but you were flipped when you were little. Um, you both caught because I made you be catchers because when you coach, nobody wants to catch and put all the gear on. So I always made my children put all the gear on. Um, so that was your you and your sister's introduction to becoming catchers. Um, but uh, the the funniest story we have about football is you started playing football at nine in in Alvin. And you're very nice. You were a very nice child and very quiet and very nice. And you weren't mean enough for football. And your coach, you drove your coaches crazy because you would always help everybody up and you'd ask how everybody was. And if you tackled somebody, you would wait and see if they were okay. And we were just trying to make you a little bit, a little bit meaner out there. And so at the end of a game or end of a practice, somebody said, whose, whose child is this? Whose child is this? And I raised my hand along with, my partner at the time and they said you go with him because we had kind of a reputation of being a little rowdy on the sidelines Mm -hmm. and it was very funny i'm like yeah that's my child they're like you don't match him he's very sweet and very quiet and you're not and so we laugh at that and laugh at that that you were always so nice to your competitors and always helping them up and we just didn't know if football was going to be for you because you were not mean enough Um, and i never forget when you were older God, how old were you? And you asked if you could cuss. You said, mom, can I cuss on the field? Cause, cause they're all cussing. Can I cuss back? 
And uh, I said, yes, son, you can cuss back on the field. It was so funny because you just were very aware of other people and how it made other people feel. And I won't bring up SFA's game, but (laughs) you were very nice to SFA's quarterback at the end of the game. Now, before we get into football, because that's going to be kind of the main focus here, obviously, with the show, you always thought that I was a better baseball player. And now you talked about my time on the stage, but you kind of thought that my career was going towards baseball. And so what do you think happened? Why Why did my baseball career not turn out? And and would I have been a good catcher? Would I have moved probably to first base? Why what was me on the baseball field made you so so sure that that was going to be kind of my calling? Um, yeah, I always thought we loved baseball the same. Me and you loved the baseball the same. We used to go to the River Cats games together. We would go any game we could together. We watched it on TV. You just knew you knew at an early age you could remember stats. You understood the game. You understood what was happening. Um, you just really had an, an a, a brain for the game. So that's what made me think, God, oh, this kid's going to really play baseball. I figured you'd be tall because your dad was 6'4". You had a pretty big build for for baseball. And I, I I didn't think you would catch for long. I knew that you would be a little too big to be a catcher. So I figured you'd, you'd move to first base. What people don't know is that you're left-handed. You're left-handed and you're you're a switch hitter at four. You could switch hit at four at four. And I was like, this kid could hit from both sides because you're really left-handed, but I put a pencil in your right hand so that you would write with your right hand. Cause I knew being left-handed in sports was going to put you in a box. And I didn't want to force you to be a first baseman. I didn't want to force you to have to use left-handed golf clubs. So you could, you could switch hit. And I saw a talent there for switch hitting. The problem is when you got older, coaches would not listen to me when I said he can switch hit please let him hit from both sides. They just kept putting you from the right side and they didn't believe me and they, they wouldn't listen to me. So um, I, I think, I mean, I, I don't want to get too personal why I think baseball didn't happen for you, but I think um, personally, there's some personal issues of why baseball didn't happen for you. And you were let, you were pulled out of baseball for a year by your dad. And in baseball, you really can't miss a year while you're developing because those kids play year round, right? They play year round ball. And if you miss one year, you end up getting behind a bit, especially in Texas. And you did, you got behind. And when we, when you moved to Texas, they weren't having it, right? Remember, they're like, you need so much work. Well, and I remember that I, I tried out for the yeah. freshman team and they put us on the high school field and it was, you know, I was trying out as catcher and it was, you know, throw it down the second base and, it wasn't making it. I couldn't I couldn't throw it that far. And I realized that the difference from, I guess, Little League Baseball to high school is the, how big, much bigger the field is. And all these guys are playing select ball. And so I just couldn't keep up. And and at that point, I kind of knew that football was going to be be my path, at least in high school. Right. And, and you grow up in an era where you can't play both sports. And I grew up in an era of we moved from each sport. We moved exactly from each sport. My whole that's how I have friends for these day for this time now since the 80s is because we went from sport to sport. You weren't going to be allowed to go from baseball to football. We I couldn't even get you allow you to play tennis to football. They wouldn't let you do that. Matter of fact, they barely let you do theater to football. So um yeah, it, you were kind of forced into making a decision at that point. Uh, I was disappointed, but I wanted you to go where you were going to have the most success. And I, and I, I thought at that point it was going to be football. I think you'll be a hell of a slow pitch player. I can't wait to play slow pitch together. 
um, I think you'll be really a really good slow pitch player. So come on, so now, let's go. So now kind of moving on to to football, the the main journey here. So football started for me in fourth grade. We moved to Texas, and at that point, you know, everyone was playing football. That was the time. So kind of talk to me about how that started. Was it my idea? Was it your idea? Because we were in Texas. When did football start in our lives, and how was that first year playing for the the Alvin Yellow Jackets, the Junior Yellow Jackets, and and just kind of talk about the beginning stages of football for for our family? Well, your dad obviously was a huge Green Bay Packer fan, which is what you were you were brought up in, so that's why you're a Green Bay Green Bay Packer fan. Now, obviously, I'm a woman, so I didn't know a whole lot about football other than what I watched. So, you know putting you in that sport to me was kind of out of my hands. It was more of a dad thing. Right. Um, I was concerned obviously about your health. Um, it was all the rage to talk about, you know, head injuries and injuries. And I had talked to some coaches at a high school I was working at and they said, you know, I don't want to see them until ninth grade. I don't want them playing until ninth grade. They end up with so many bad habits. Um, I would rather them come to me pure in ninth grade and let me teach them. They really don't have to play little league. So in the back of my head, that was just spinning around a bit about, well, I guess he doesn't have to play until ninth grade. Because all other sports, I always felt like if you didn't start early, you were going to be behind. So when we moved to Texas, there there is everybody plays football. And it's such a different way of thinking about football here. They don't think about the injuries. They don't think about any of that. It's just there's there's so many teams and there's so many leagues. So I just felt you were a big kid then too. You were, you were a little chunky monk. You were ready for football and ready to play football. And so um, I put you in now, here's the funny thing is there's an age difference in between California and Texas is that you can start kindergarten. If you have a birthday all the way to December, Texas, you have to start kindergarten in September. So you were actually with your real age group, not the age group you graduated with, but with your real age group. And so um, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. We had a really, really good team. You did really well. You played offense and defense. Um, we had Jalen. What's Jalen's last name? Jalen Watermeyer. Yeah, and he's in the NFL, right? Yeah, so he was, uh, if, if you're not unfamiliar with the name, he played tight end at Texas A&M. Uh, ended up, I think he he may have won undrafted. Uh, and he spent, he's still in the league now. I don't, I'm not sure if he's a, he's not a big time player yet. I think it's going to come, but uh all american at texas a&m all sec just a really really athletic player and he was then he was the reason we won we gave him the ball and he ran um we had another we have another player on there that plays for u of h baseball it was a really high athletic team um our coaches were really good matter of fact when the coaches his son is playing where is, is keatley playing uh he's a baseball player at texas state at Texas State. So just a lot of athletes on that team, lots of great parents. So it was a lot of fun. Um, so I believed in Little League football at that point, especially if you're going to play in Texas. Um, so I know you told me that I refused for you to play. I don't remember that. I just remember being concerned as a mother. But I don't think I've ever said you could play football. I think that you're just making that up. Well, I think if, if I remember, I think I feel like I wanted to play in third grade in California and y'all said no. And it wasn't until we moved to Texas where you kind of realized that everyone else was doing it. And I had to jump on the train. Uh, one of my oh, well, funniest stories from that was I used to have really long hair, as you remember, kind of almost like a bowl cut at one point. And we started playing football in Texas. And 
of course, the weather here is a lot different, a little bit hotter. And I was dying. And so that was the first time I shaved my head. And until high school, I had the buzz cut and it was because of the Texas weather. And so I always thought that was a funny memory. But it Oh, yeah, it, they told you, they said, that helmet's not going to fit on that hair, boy. Who are you long? Oh, they made so much fun of you of having long hair because no one was really wearing that here. Yeah. Um, do, you, uh, do you remember the story from Galveston Ball? Oh, <laughs> yeah, but you tell it because it's funny when you tell it. Uh, so you're gonna have to correct me on, on, on it if I'm wrong, but I remember, I don't remember what the play was, but I ended up running, blocking the safety. And after the play, the safety punched me in the stomach. And I remember I took like two or three steps and then I hit the ground. Uh, I don't know if I got the wind knocked out of me first time ever being punched, but I remember falling over and. I don't you didn't make it to the field, did you? Because I remember hearing that you ran down the bleachers and you were about to come over this the stands and, and either fight the kid or pick me up and carry me to the hospital yourself. But I remember that you became a big commotion just because you were trying to get down to the field. So, yeah, so Galveston Ball has been a thorn in Alvin's side for decades, and they're always much rougher and meaner, um, a little bit cheap when they play us. And so they were playing us on our home turf, and it was dirty. On, on, right off the get-go, it was dirty, and the umpires weren't really taking control of it early to make sure that that they didn't do that. And yeah, you were literally just standing there. You had blocked him. And as nice as you were, you were just standing there like, is everybody okay? Did it? And he just punched you in the stomach, just standing there. And I took two steps. I was at the top of that stand and I took two steps. And I was at the bottom and I was coming up to the, to the chain and I, the coaches knew me well enough that they they all spun around because I don't know if people were like, if there was so much noise in the stands of, oh, my God, oh, my God. Two, two steps down, I'm at the bottom, I'm on the chain, and I'm telling the umpires to stop the game right now. Like, stop the game right now. This is over. We are done. Because we had just watched such dirty play. And, yeah, I was I was livid. And it was all I can do to to – I was about to jump over, and the coaches go, we got it, we got it, we, ha we have a handle, we got it. But you were nine. <laughs> you were nine. You know, you weren't 15 or 16. You were nine years old. You were eight, actually. You were eight turning nine. So, yeah. I, and you were such a good kid and such a good kid on the field that I, it was so dirty. But, yeah, that has always – that's lived with me for a while that, I mean, I was down those stairs, down those stands, like, in two steps. Well, look, and, as, uh, as dirty as Galveston Ball, their young Little League allegedly play is, they produced a couple good athletes from Galveston yeah, Ball. Did. Mike Evans yeah. starting a receiver for the Bucks, and now the McCollum twins, who were our teammate or my teammate, and uh, now one's for the Bucks. One is just got assigned a future reserve contract for the Eagles. And so, you know, I, I read a, a thing that it, it showed, uh, I guess it was like size of the city, how many athletes they produced, and uh, Galveston was a top five. Um, and just because of all the athletes they produced. So, you know, unfortunately, it went that way, but they're doing something right over there with. Oh, uh, absolutely. Always good athletes, for sure. Oh, and I don't think it's the athletes per se. I think it was the the program, the adults running the program that was creating that kind of atmosphere. I really don't think it was the athletes themselves. I think at that time it was who was running the program and what they were inspiring the kids to do. Um, but yeah, um, always a nemesis to Alvin, for sure. So kind of jumping ahead a little bit, there is a blank space between us um, in terms of football, because after fourth grade, I moved back to California 
And uh, I began playing football over there. And it was a, kind of the same deal. It was the Ponderosa Junior Bruins. So it was a, a junior program to the high school because uh, unlike Texas, we didn't have middle school football. So while so the, the Alvin High School um, affiliate was Fairview Junior High and Alvin Junior High. So those guys are already together. They're playing football for the middle school. They're learning the offense that the high school is going to take over. But in California, we didn't have that. We had physical education. We had PE. We were doing all that. And so we had an after-school program, which was Ponderosa. And so it was fun. And if I would have stayed there, I would have been with those guys all the way throughout high school. But eventually, I make the decision to move back to Texas, to move back to Alvin. And I begin high school football. So kind of talk to me about, before we get into the main points of high school, that beginning because even though I was kind of the new kid on the block, I knew some faces. You and Dominique were well known around the Alvin community. So it wasn't like I was a brand new kid, but I'm coming to play Texas high school football as a guy that hasn't been around. I wasn't in the weight room because we didn't have a weight room program like the other guys did. Fairview Junior High, they were starting to lift weights out the gate in sixth grade, seventh grade. And so were you nervous for me coming in? being a newer guy, even though I didn't know some of the people, or was it something where you figured I'll be able to pick it up? So kind of talk to me about that first, that first beginning of Texas high school football. Well, the first thing is that was the thinnest when you came back to, to Texas, that was the thinnest you'd ever been your whole life. You were, you weighed an, a buck and a nickel. I mean, you were thin, thin, thin. And I worried about that. So right when I, right when you came here with me, I was like, oh, you, you don't weigh enough. Like you're, you're going to get hurt if we don't put some weight on you. I knew you knew football. I knew you were a good player. And I knew that that didn't bother me at all. I knew that was a given. I was more worried about your weight and I was more worried about the fact that you hadn't been lifting. And I knew these kids had been lifting before you. Um, other than the football, I, I, it was a given. I knew you were going to play and you were going to be good. Um, the nice thing is we you did know some kids from your football days here, but they're a year below you. See, that's where this kicks in, is that because where you were at school, everybody you played with, most of everybody you played with was just a year younger than you. So I wasn't worried at all. I I was surprised how the coaches treated you. I'll tell you that. I knew some of the coaches from when that coach Dominique in, in junior high um, that were that were on the field and, and around. I was just surprised that because they didn't know you, they didn't give you a shake. That bothered me. And I was shocked at that. I really thought I was still that old school of the best 20 on the field or the best 20 on the field. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. Um, and that wasn't the case. The case was. These kids in junior high, I've been watching for two, three, two years. Those are the ones that are going to come up here and those are going to play. Those are the yeah, kids that so are going to play. Before, before you keep going, I'm kind of going to kind of touch on that. So when we went in before freshman year of football, we kind of had like a tryout and they were putting people in positions, making them run routes or, or do certain things. But the catch was, is the varsity head coach and the two junior high head coaches were there and they were talking to each other. They had a list. And they were like, okay, here's this player. He started three years from middle school. Here's this guy. And so when I come in, they didn't know what middle school I was from because I was a new kid. And so they didn't know what position I played. And so uh, I told them that I was offensive line and defensive line. But um, the way that worked 
was they looked at me and they said, look, you're not big enough to play on the line, but you're not small enough to play a receiver. You're not big enough to play defensive line. So we kind of don't really know where to put you. And so one of the coaches was like, just go play tight end. And so that's kind of how, that's a funny story of how my my time as a tight end started is I was just kind of in the middle. And that's how it's always been. But as she was saying, um, the middle school coaches were there. And and I know you were you were close with Coach Khan, right? Uh, the Fairview Junior High coach. And yes. so I don't think it was terms of him, you know, being, there was no bad blood. It was just the way it was. He, he had his players and he had a great connection with Alvin High School. And the, I just wasn't on a list. And so... It was a rough start um, in terms of the beginning. And so you can keep going. I just wanted to kind of explain what what you meant by that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad you did, because obviously I wasn't I wasn't there. I, and I have kind of that mom side of it, too. I get a little bitter, a uh, little bitter, Betty. But I'll never forget that you made the team. Um, you made the B team, which was unbelievable. But you made the B team. First time you've ever made a B team. Uh, or and so I'll never forget at a game that you they would put you in the last two minutes of every game last minute two minutes to me is so insulting right um, but I get it so you would play the last two minutes of the game and one game you made a touchdown and I heard out of my ears the coach said and who is that and that wraps up what you had to deal with your freshman year right um and so I would, I kept telling you, you have to go talk to the coaches. Now, mind you, this is a quiet player. Dalton is a quiet player. He's a quiet leader. He's not one to bang his chest. Um, he's not one to come out and go, Rah! he's just not that leader. And so I kept saying, you're going to have to talk to the coaches. You're going to have to make your name and your face known. And sure enough, he did. And I'll let you tell that story. But but that's what got him to a starting position. And that's what got him there is that he had to he's had to fight his way his whole career on both baseball, basketball, volleyball, everything he's played. He's had to fight to be seen and to be heard because he's a quiet athlete. Um, and, and I saw you do that. I saw you talk to the coach in the middle of that field. And I remember I go, what were you saying? And he goes, I was just telling him I can do this. I can do this. Give me a chance to do this. And remember, I think he said, show me at practice. And you said, you never give me a chance to show you at practice. And so he said, all right, I will. And I think you started every game after that. Uh, yeah. So the tight end on the A team is uh, he's actually a family friend, Carson Gonzalez. Uh, and he was, he's always been a big kid. Um, he was, he was, he shouldn't have been a de- he shouldn't have been a tight end. He ended up playing defensive line. Uh, for the high school team, for the varsity team. He's actually a, a police officer now. Uh, we've known him forever, but he was already well-developed. And so I kind of knew that my spot in the A-team wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to have a shot in the A-team just because it was a, a junior high connection. But the guy in front of me on the B-team, he ended up playing D-line too, and he wasn't a very good tight end. And so after that game, I just kind of told the coach, like like you said, hey, I'm better than him. I know I can do it. And he said, show me a practice. And I had a really good week of practice. And, and like you said, I ended up starting uh, the rest of the my freshman year. And uh, my sophomore year, I was a starter on the JVB team. Uh, do you have any any funny stories from JV? Uh, I know one, uh, it was my one of my catches. I, I heard this story all the time because everyone, like I said, they knew who you were. So you were in the stands, and I think it was the right side of the stands. And I was on the That's right varsity. side of you. That's varsity. That was varsity. That's varsity. That's the first game of varsity. That's your varsity game. Remember? Cause you ran back the, the kick. 
Yeah, but I thought I thought there was one on JV where you were following me too. No. At JV, you always made the short ones. You, if you made a touchdown, it was like a little short five-yard or three-yard, you know, it was like, which tight ends do, right? It's not – so there's no reason for me to run down the stands because it's five yards. It's You ran back the kick on varsity. Remember, you got player of the week yeah. on the paper, remember? Yeah, so but before we get into that, we, we do need to touch on junior year because that was kind of a pivotal point for me. Um, so my end of my sophomore year, I was on the JVB team. Uh, I was told that if we make playoffs, I would suit out. I thought that was really cool. Didn't make the playoffs, unfortunately. So that offseason, in between that, did you think that I was going to make the varsity team? I didn't really know either. It wasn't until, I think, spring ball and then uh, a little bit during the summer that they kind of started putting me with the guys. And it was, well, we're going to test you out, test the waters. And it wasn't until picture day when I had to ask the coach, like, hey, Am I putting on the orange jersey with the JV team? Am I putting on the white jersey? And they said, okay, just put on the white jersey. You're going to be on the varsity team. And we didn't really know. So kind of did you have an idea that you thought I was going to make the team, didn't really know? And what was your first reaction when I first, you know, there's a picture of me and Dominique when I first had on my varsity uniform. And we'll get into the first game in a little bit. But what was your reaction when you first found out that I made the varsity team my junior year? It's funny because – like at first I want to say, I don't remember any of that because college has been so memorable, but I do remember you just kept telling me, I'm not, I can't, I'm not making it mom. I'm not making it. I'm not going to be up there. You were just, you were pretty down on yourself. So I was listening to you. And as a mother, I, it really didn't matter one way or the other, truly at this point, I was more concerned about, did I need to buy you cleats or were I getting them for free? Because <laughs> when you make varsity, you get the cleats for free. That was my number one concern was what do I do with the darn cleats? So when we were at informational night, do you, you remember we had those informational nights? Yeah. I went up to the coaches and I said, am I buying cleats or am I getting cleats? Because I was like, do I turn this form in today or not? You know how I am. I'm very on, on the money with that stuff. And they said, you'll be getting cleats. So I knew you were on varsity at that point. And so that was the beginning of the end of sophomore year beginning I knew before but you weren't believing it and you were still being a naysayer about it but I knew you were on varsity I did not like the game playing they played with you as far as not telling you and doing this we don't know yet I, I thought that was game playing and I think I've seen this through your career of coaches that really don't understand psychological coaching and 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 really how to coach somebody somebody's kid in their brain so not just physically but and mentally too, they thought that was a way to motivate you. They thought keeping you on the lurch and keeping you that would motivate you and make you a louder player and make you a louder leader. That's not the case. All it did is keep you in a spin. It kept you in a spin. It kept you feeling insecure. It kept you not feeling confident. It felt you, it just, you didn't, you, it, you didn't want to step up if you didn't think that was your place. So I've seen this in your career where if they had said, you're on varsity, kiddo, you're on varsity and you deserve it, go work hard for it. You would have been 100% in that gym all the time, working as hard as you can to show them that that you're going to show them what kind of a leader you are. So I was irritated. I thought it was just, this is high school football. Good Lord, just tell him yes or no. Quit playing this game. Um, and then, yeah, when we found out, he said, I knew. I knew because of the whole cleat debacle. Um, but I remember just being so excited for you so you could take a breath. I mean, really, you you could, I could just see you go, okay, I'm in, I got this, I, I got it and I can do this now. 
Um, so to be honest, I there wasn't an excitement for me because I was kind of dismissed about the whole secret game playing stuff that was going on. Um, so I wasn't a big fan of your junior year. Um, I thought there was, I thought we had a lot of talent and I don't really think they knew what to do with it. I think there was some politics going on. There was some coaching politics going on. Um, so I wasn't a real big fan of your junior year, your senior year. I really dug, I really liked your senior year. We had fun in the stands. We had a mom squad. Um, you had a really good group of friends on the team. So you were making these lifelong friends, all the things that moms care about. Um, but yeah, I, um, you were actually a jackass during that, that picture taking day. <laughs> I re- I laughed cause you were being a jackass. And I, and I think because the stress, now that I look back, the stress you were under, you were under a lot of stress that day and you take your, you take it out on your mother when you're stressed out. Um, so that's what I remember about that day It's going, I'm leaving cause you're a jackass. Um, but I do, I look back now and say that was a really tough place for them to put you in. Um, you remember, so my junior year, um, I always tell this story cause I think it's funny. So I made the varsity team. I'm like, you know, great. I'm not going to play though. I, I'm excited to be on the team. And then Thursday of our first game against Stratford, coach comes up to me. He was like, Hey, by the way, you're starting. And I was like, what? And so you, just like you said, you knew I was going to be on varsity, but we kind of both didn't have an idea we were starting. And so that first, first game, uh, my first game ever on varsity, I'm a starter. Were you nervous on the sideline or in the stands? Were you excited? What, what, what was going on through that very first varsity game? Well, again, they were doing it on purpose, right? They were doing it to make the starter mad, right? This whole old time way of coaching my IMO. Um, And so I was worried for you. So, so there's two moms. There's a mom that's worried for you because I knew what they were doing to you. I was worried about the dynamic of the team for you. I didn't want them to to get mad at you or pick on you because they're kind of using you. And then the second was, oh my God, I'm going to have my son on the field and my daughter on the field at the same time. And what that means is that my daughter was in band and she was um, in percussions to begin with. And then she moved up to drum major. So she's actually on the stands in the stand on that standing stand thing um, being the drum major. And so it was such a moment for me to have both my kids. Cause that's who else has that? Who else has a boy girl twin at the same age on the field at the same time. So hell Kelsey brothers, I had both kids on the, on the field too. (laughs) Um, So that's where as a mom, you know, me, I was bawling my eyeballs out. As soon as I played the national anthem, as soon as you ran out, I was bawling. My daughter's there. Um, such a great moment for a mom to have both her kids and the same thing when you're both on the stage at the same time to see your kiddos your twin kiddos do anything together is as a moment and I know you have to share your moment with your sister but yeah I, re- I remember being very torn about how I felt about that um, because I was more worried about your psyche than I was worried about you getting a start yeah and it kind of ended up being that way uh it was a little bit to, to light a torch under the other tight ends, but but it ended up working. He he did really well, and I still played a lot that season. We switched out every drive, and it kind of set the tone for me then. And so now I have film, and now I begin college interest. And this was – I think this was a fun part for our life, even though it was still stressful, but camp life. Um, our junior year, the end of the junior year, going into your senior season, that's when you want to hit all the camps. And we did that. Now – 
were we hitting the right camps? Probably not. But we were going to AM, we were going to Texas, we were going to all the big schools to do the camps. And uh, so talk to me about that. I know you have some choice opinions about that. Um, but that. even at the end of the day, I didn't get the interest of the schools I wanted. I did get to learn a lot. I always say that the Texas camp, even though that I didn't get the offer I wanted, I learned a lot how to play tight end from that coach. And it ended up helping me my senior year. But talk about the road trip in and, and all the camps and, and and how you enjoyed it, because you were the one that were that was paying for everything that was driving with me. And so while it was stressful and it was disappointing. I think it was a fun time just to be able to travel and to go see these colleges and experience that the recruiting side of things. So I didn't know anything about this, right? This was not my, this is softball, baseball. I didn't know anything about how this worked. This was all you, you, you're the one that knew this. You're the one that figured this out. And you said, mom, there's these camps. We have to go to them. We have to do as many as we can. And I said, okay, I'm on it. So I looked up every single college that's in our area and I looked up all the camps and their dates and we literally put them on the calendar and we went every single week to a school. And we did kind of focus on the bigger schools, the bigger D1 schools, not because we felt like you were going to go there, but we felt like they had the best interest of the other colleges. Like if, if A&M's hosting, there's a lot of colleges going to be there. So we did. We I did, too. I, 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 it was the first time we spent a lot of time together. It's been it, especially through high school. You get so busy. We spent a lot of time together. We took kids with us. We took other athletes with us. Um, we just had a really good time. And I learned a ton about football, about your position, about what they look at for, about what college is going to be like. Um, I would quietly listen with the other parents in the stands. Um, that's when I realized that six two. 220 was undersized for a tight end, supposedly undersized for a tight end. I had no idea that that you had to be a monster, that you had to be 6'6 and, you know, 250. Um, and then run really fast and be really agile and jump high and all these other things that that were that was being told to you constantly about, oh, you're too short, you're too slow, you're too this. That's when the year two came into play. But my favorite my favorite story, and I know this is the one you're asking for, is we went to UT, and we, he was so excited because it's one of his favorite colleges. He want, he would have played there hands down. So we go to UT, and they have it in their little press, pr practice dome thingy. So we walk in there, and, and these camps always do the same thing. They measure you. They, do, they have you do these things, what, five things that you do at every single camp they have you go through. So as he's going through that, I sit off to the side, and I'm sitting off to the side, and the door opens and the sea parts, the people part and this huge guy's walking in. And I'm not kidding you. I thought he was a famous NFL player, the way they were treating him. They were oohing and on over him and he walks in. It's like, Aah. and I'm like, well, who's this guy? You know, who's this guy getting this treatment? And you're like, oh, he's a rec recruit. They've recruited him. They want him badly. Um, and so they've offered him and they want him badly. He's the tight end they want. And I'm like, oh, okay. Whatever. So we go through the drills. We go outside to do blocking drills. So we go outside to do blocking drills. And now this is the first time in all these camps I'm sitting right off to the side. I'm 10 feet away. And I'm just watching. And this guy starts blocking and he's awful. And I'm not over exaggerating. He's awful. He can't block to save his life. And the coaches are coming over and they're trying to give him instructions. And you can tell they're a little panicked. And he can't block. And Dalton's out there tearing it up. He's blocking and he's knocking people out and he's doing all this and coaches are coming up to him high-fiving him and like boy you go boy right and then they don't know who he is and I'm like okay he's the big superstar and my son's this good what, what's happening 
So then we go to the next session, which is section, which is throwing, right? Throwing the catching. The quarterbacks are throwing the tight ends. Yeah, the receiver DB one-on-ones. Thank you for the logo or lingo. So <laughs> that happens and they throw to him. And I was like, oh, that's why <laughs> he snagged that ball out of the air. He jumped 10 feet in the air. He snagged the ball out of the air. The defense couldn't even couldn't even remotely get to him. And I was like, oh, that's why. That's why this kid is getting recruited. So during that time on the line, the guy said, one of the coaches said to Dalton that if you were taller and bigger, you'd be our recruit. You'd come here. We'd pay you to come here to play if you were taller and bigger. And so that was really the big eye opening of this is going to be difficult for you because it's not a talking, a, a blocking tight end position anymore. It's a catching in the end zone position. Um, so you want to tell everybody who that was? Yeah. So the, that player was a uh, Malcolm Epps. He ended up, he did sign to Texas, uh, got moved to receiver. Uh, Mom loves taking credit saying that that was going to happen. Uh, and then he just recently transferred to USC where he's playing tight end receiver. So, you know, it, it kind of worked out. He, uh, he was the player he said he was, and uh, I ended up going to Sam Houston and the rest is history, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great time learning and, and doing all that. And so kind of fast forwarding, before we talk about my senior season, in between the my senior year, we started taking visits, which is a little bit different from from camp because now these are people that want you, and we're going on these visits, and you know a couple of them were D threes, and, and we enjoyed those. And then I got to take a couple of visits to Texas State. So talk about my visits from a mom's perspective. Uh, did you enjoy it? Uh, how was that? And, and how was your time making all these visits and, and making this trip to second part of recruiting going from camps and now to being recruited? Um, again, new to me again, I didn't know really what to expect. Um, I guess everybody knows by now I'm super protective of my children. Um, and I started getting really protective of Dalton because they kept telling him all the things you aren't. And it just would get me. It just, as a coach, as a retired coach, I tell you what you are and you work hard on that. I don't need to keep telling you what you're not. Kids know that. Young adults know that. So, you know, we would go places and, and it would be, well, you're going to be a preferred walk-on. And then just kind of all the, I don't know, it was, it was a mix between kind of blowing smoke and kind of the warning that you aren't, you aren't. Right. And so and and I have to say, preferred walk on is not for the weak. Um, you're constantly told what you aren't. And then you as parents, you were kind of blown as like, oh, they're going to be treated all the same and they're going to be they're going to get the same chance as everybody else. And I literally say to the coaches, you better tell me right to my face that my kid's going to be treated fairly. And they'd be like, oh, yes, absolutely. Miss Meyer, I'm like, I know who you are and I'll come find you because I just want my kid to be treated fairly. You don't have to start them. You have to play them. I'm not that kind of parent. Just don't be shitty, right? Don't be crappy. Just be fair. So it was the first foray into what walk-on means and what um, your height meant to tight ends and what blocking tight end, the dying blocking tight end style was. And, and that was all kind of coming to my brain. And you kept telling me, I would fight you in the car on the way home. Um, you know, you're a fullback, you're a blocking tight end. There's real importance there. And we would fight on the way home all the time about you saying, you don't know football mom, you just don't understand it. And this is how it is. And this is how, the, and I'm like, they should treat you better. And um, so it was, again, this, this happy that 
schools are looking at you and being nice to you and going to offer you something, but the sadness of the preferred walk-on and what that meant. Um, I was just always torn. I was torn this whole time about your psyche and you being getting where you want to be. And then the thankfulness that you're going to be able to continue. Um, but you forgot about the Sam Houston camp. You forgot about the pad camp. That was a huge turning point. And you fought me and fought me and fought me on it. Yeah. So we had a, uh, Sam Houston had a contact camp and it's funny kind of learning once I was on the team, uh, and coach Merck and, and coach M mullet, they told me that that camp was just kind of a money grab. Uh, it wasn't a super serious deal. Uh, it would just kind of get kids to spend a couple of days, spend some money and they got to make some money being some lower, lower tier coaches. And so I saw it as a chance to go there and learn something and, and be in pad and to do that thing. And so we go and because I was older for my age, I was the oldest kid and I meet the age requirements. I was just, I was the only guy that played on varsity. I was the only guy that's had experience. And so I was lighting it up at that camp and coach Siegler, the tight ends coach at Sam Houston at the time, he caught word of it. He caught interest of it. I became the MVP and he told me to come to the cat camp, which is the big, uh, big camp for Sam Houston. Everybody comes. And so we go to that camp and first of all, we have to wait three hours until the actual drill start, I got one one-on-one -on -one rep and I got tossed out of the field by, I think he was a three-star linebacker. And so I remember telling mom as we were leaving the camp, like, well, this is the last time I'm going to be at Sam Houston. Yeah. No chance they're going to, they're going to want me now. And, and so, didn't Ziegler even say you're disappointing me or something? Didn't he say something to you when you dropped it? He's like, you need to do better or I, I expected like more out of you or something. I mean, I remember there was, he had said something to you and I was like, oh God. And he said something to you. Yeah. But that it, was awful. We waited longer than three hours and it was like 120. It was yeah, awful. Cause there were so many kids you had to get through all the combine stuff. And then you had to be, we were the first people there because, you know, be there first, be on time. We were expected to be there. And so we ended up waiting for so long that I only got one rep, didn't do very good. And so it was a thing. Well, you know, we tried. Sam Houston's not uh, not going to be on the radar. Uh, did you know about Sam Houston before we kind of started the padded camp and the contact camp? Because I I remember watching them one time and just like I think they were on TV for something, not really knowing who they were. But did you have knowledge of the school just because being around the area for so long? Not that way. Well, a little bit, because I had some people in my life that had went there. But I was looking when I started kind of really paying attention and getting into this, especially when I was looking for camps, I wanted to look for schools that fit, you know, A&M, UT, these schools are going to get these six to five, the five star kids, right? You coming from Alvin, we didn't have, we didn't win. We weren't going to playoffs. You know, you were going to be three, t three star at best because of Alvin, you had to go where a school is going to fit you. You're not going to get to UT. So what's some schools that you can compete at and have a chance? So I started looking in that way. And I thought Sam was a good fit. I mean, I thought Sam being the FCS was a good fit. When we, when you wanted to go to a Nike camp, this is how this started. I don't know if you remember, you wanted to go to a Nike camp and you said, mom, I want to go to a Nike camp. Find that for me because I'll really learn a lot from a Nike camp. So of course they're super expensive. And I'm like, good God, these are so expensive. And that's when I came across the Sam camp and it was a contact camp. And you said, I don't know, mom, I don't think so. I think those are, I think those are fake. And I said, I don't know, you know, the coach, the, the coach is listed here. Why would the coach be listed here if it's not real, if it was a money grab? 
So I called your varsity coach and he said, no, he said, no, you don't need to go to that. I wouldn't go to that. You're just going to get bad habits. I wouldn't go to that. You, I wouldn't go to that. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm feeling this. So I contacted Siegler and I said, Hey, coach is telling me, no, people are telling me this is fake. Tell me, tell me this is fake. That's what I said. And he goes, no, ma'am, this is absolutely, you know, this is a chance for the kids to get pads on to get in front of college coaches for us to help them. And I said, he's in, and it was cheaper, so much cheaper. So, um, you went and that did that put you in front of somebody that I thought you could really play for. You know, I didn't, once we got through that year, I knew you couldn't play for, for you, you uh, UT and A&M or any of those schools. Cause you weren't going to be tall enough, but I thought you could play for schools like Sam. So I just thought it was a, a, a good place for you. Um, it wasn't in the city. I always think you're a city kid, but I thought football play wise, that was a place for you. And I ended up really liking, I think, who was that coach? Do you remember that I took a picture of that coach talking to the kid and I ended up sending it to Siegler and I said, your coach, your coaching staff is, is top notch. Yeah. Do it was uh, coach the D, uh, D line coach. Uh, one of my favorite guys, he's now the D line coach at UTSA. So I had watched him. There was a, 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 a child on the field that probably had some disabilities. Um, and he was just being kind of out of control and he was hitting kids and he was just out of control and I watched that coach come over to him, get on a knee, get all the way down and be very sweet and very patient with him and just work with him this whole time, like really gave him all his attention. And I noticed it right away. And that's when I was like, you need to be here. You need to go where this is because a coach that will do that will will then can be considered of you as an overall athlete. So um, I did. I took a picture of it and sent it to Siegler. I don't know if you ever knew that, but yeah, I know. So uh, during my senior year, and you kind of talked about it, Dominic being the drum major, me finally taking the role of the starter and kind of having a higher role on the team. We're going through the, the season. I send my film to Siegler just to see what he would say. He says, hey, man, we'll, we'll offer you a PWO to come here. And it kind of came down to Sam Houston, Texas State as a PWO and then Texas Lutheran uh, just going to play. And uh, I end up going with uh, Sam Houston. We, I've talked about this before. Uh, it, it costs the same amount of money to go to Texas Lutheran, and it's a chance to maybe earn a scholarship and play Division One football. So we took that chance. We finished our senior year. And so my last game in high school, what were your emotions, especially with Dominique being her last time as a drum major? Um, you knew I was going to play in college. So I always say that I was sad, but I wasn't as sad because I knew my career wasn't over. It was sad leaving all my friends. But what was it like for you? Because now you have both kids graduating and both kids finishing up this part of their life. Well, it was such a great year. It was such a great football year. You had some, re you had this great friend group. You and Dominique had these really great friend groups and our house was open to them. They were always in and out of my house. Um, they were great kids. I loved their parents. We had a mom squad. Um, we did some really fun things in the stands to embarrass our children. Um, it was just a great year to, and it was a great senior year for both of you on stage, on theater as well. You did some UIL stuff. Um, you, it, it just was a great overall year other than, um, your classmates had some stuff, uh, loss of classmate. Um, it was really emotional. I, um, I wasn't ready to be an empty nester yet. Um, I, I felt like I was just finding my, my footage with having grown children. Does that make sense? Like I felt like I was getting it. Like this happened there my whole career as a mother. Like I just started getting it <clears throat> and then you change. 
And something else happens. I'm like, wait, I just was mastering it. Why are you changing? Why is this life changing? Um, it was so good. Um, do you want to tell them about the kazoos? I can't <laughs> leave this podcast without a kazoo statement. I think that, well, given that that was your, your people, you're going to have to explain that. I don't know how it started. I really can't remember how it started, but there was, was a mom's it, Was it your idea or was it Miss Gilcrease? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was my idea. Miss Gilcrease is way too too smart and nice for that. I think I'm the goofiest one to come up with it. But um, one of the moms um, was the wife of the superintendent. So we we had a little leeway of how we acted in the stands. And we were good. I'm just saying silly and being silly and being able to get in for free and all the good things of, of having somebody that's a superintendent. You can't bring noisemakers into the stadium, typically. No noisemakers. But we were able to get our kazoos in. And he always would say, I'm not going to sit by you guys because you have these darn kazoos and you're not supposed to have them. So we had the kazoos. And what we would do is we would just play them during national or not um, during the entry so whenever the kids ran in we would play them with the band so we would play the kazoos with the band and after they did touchdowns we would play the kazoos and it was just us three playing the kazoos um and so it really gave for some reason people really paid attention to it huh we're playing the kazoos it was so much fun but our, our claim to fame is that every year the band has to leave and not be at one game because they have to be at a competition. So there's always a game with no band. And I don't know if you've ever been to a football game with no band. It's weird. It's so eerily quiet. So we decided that we needed to take the place of the band and we needed to do the kazoos for the entry song, sorry, <clears throat> for the entry song and for some of the some of the music that needed to happen during the game. And so we were full on kazoos when you guys ran into the field and I'll never forget your face. You were mortified. You were like, put that kazoo down and stop that kazoo playing. You always thought I was so extra anyways. And so you said you were just mortified that you, you go, everybody could hear it. You could hear it all the way onto the field. You could hear it all the way through the stadium. I don't know how there's only three of them, but we really enjoyed playing the kazoos your senior year. Uh, we really enjoyed um, your camaraderie on the field. So I was sad. I was sad to see that end, but I was excited for your next for your next step. Um, when that last game, your sister cried on the stands, and I'm not kidding you, there was not a dry eye. She, you could tell she was crying. She turned around, she waved to the to the audience, and she was bawling. There was not a dry eye. Everybody was just so sad to see that season end. Um, so don't make me cry. I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> so now we uh we we finished high school now we're in kind of the the meat of it in college and uh my first two years were a little bit slow uh I walked on I was scout team you got to see me maybe once uh I got to suit out and, and you got to come so kind of talking about those first two years just uh getting the switch to college how was it for you seeing me in college for the first time and uh, just kind of touch on that basis because I've I've spoke on my part of it and it was it was a tough first two years especially being on the bottom and, and not getting to do anything and so what is it what was it like from your perspective because you know you're seeing your son here and you knew what the challenge was walking on was going to be but did you expect it to be as difficult as it ended up being? No, I really didn't, and I think I'm, I'm somebody that pays attention. They just had me so convinced that you were going to get a fair shot, right? That you were going to be just like everybody else. And then 
you know, it, it took me several years to realize that this is a business, right? That that you're going to, the kids that are scholarships are going to go first, whether they deserve it or not, because you paid money for them to come there. And so it was, I think the biggest one was when you, they would feed you during summer, right? They would feed you during summer, summer camp or whatever they call it. And you would be in line and they'd say, you're, you're a walk on, you have to go to the back. Like we're feeding all the scholarship players first and then we'll feed you. And if there's anything left over, you can have it. And I can remember you going, mom, the line's so long, I'm not even going to wait or there's not going to be any food anyway. So I'm not even going to wait. And I was like, excuse me? Like what, what now you're part of the team, right? You're on the team, right? You're one of the team. Why, why is that happening? And then equipment, you wouldn't get equipment. I think at one time you had size 15 cleats and that's not your size because that's all they had. And again, we've talked about this uh, tons of times about you were number negative 40. Um, I just think teams aren't, I don't know if they're not prepared for that many players. I don't know what the issue is of not having equipment, not having numbers, not having enough food. If you're going to ask a kid to be a preferred walk-on meeting, we want you here. We just ran out of scholarships. That's how I was always built it. Why aren't you treated the same way? And you are not. And everybody who wants to be a preferred walk-on, be ready. Because you are not treated the same way. I don't even think you got a locker. I think, what was it, three to a locker at some point? There wasn't even enough lockers. Somebody stole your stuff. Do you remember your freshman year? Somebody stole your, your they stole your key and ID, right? They stole your oh, wallet. Man. They stole my wallet. Uh, they took my, I think I had like $40 in cash. Uh, thankfully, they put my wallet back, but all the cash was missing. Yes. And you had to go get your, because your card was your key to your dorm. Your ID yeah. was the key to your dorm. You had to go get a new thing, a new key. I mean, I just wasn't ready for that as a mother. And I didn't know how to mother you through that because I wanted you to be tough. I wanted you to grit it out. I wanted you to to be resilient. But I was also like, wow, this is this is new to me. I'm learning a lot this freshman year. I knew you weren't going to play. You weren't ready to play. No freshmen to me are ready to play unless you're Tiger Woods good. Um, so but I didn't want you to be treated unfairly again, treated unfairly. So. It was tough. I remember too, we watched games in the stands together. Mm. I would come and sit on the student side with you and we would watch games together. We watched most of the season together, which is funny now that I, now that I think about it, that me and you watched your freshman year together um, in the stands. And so that was my first real rip the bandaid of what a preferred walk-on means and how it means to me and what I'm going to have to do with that. Like as a mom, where do I put that? And what do I do with that? Um, and now I know, but now <laughs> it's five years later. Yeah. I mean, you know, and also it, it really depends on the facility and the school at, at the point of time, Sam Houston, it definitely wasn't where it is now. And we had the old locker room we had, we were still kind of, we were a successful FCS program, but we weren't in the, I would say elite level that we are now. They had a really good couple of years. But in terms of facilities, it just wasn't there. So, yeah, I did have to share a locker. I didn't get fed. But over time, I think uh, this this past season, the walk-ons were treated a lot better. And, and I think that I that helped me a lot throughout my career. Uh, being on scout team, I learned a lot. I always say that. And, uh, you know, you don't see people at Oklahoma. I, I don't know how the walk-ons are at, at Oklahoma, but – I assume it's a lot better just because they have a, a $5 billion facility. And that's just the difference between an FBS program and an FCS program is just the amount of money and what is available to you. So it was a couple rough two years, but then 
we kind of we get to the the good side of it. But before the national champion season, we had COVID hit. And so for you, because I guess we kind of have a unique story compared to a lot of other people, as in for COVID, you and Dominique moved into my house. And so kind of talk about pre pre national championship, the prime start of COVID, uh, having the season get canceled, not knowing what was going to happen, and then eventually starting the spring season. Well, you know, I do have to give a shout out to some of your old tight end coaches because they always made sure starting your sophomore year that you had a chance to go in. You would go in the fourth quarter, five minutes to play, but that was a big tight end room, right? There's four or five of you, even six of you. And so you got moved up to the three spot pretty quickly, but you fought for it. I mean, it wasn't like the door was was wide open, but you fought for it. But you did get it up to the three spot, four spot pretty quickly. And I think that's because of your tenacity, the fact that you're quiet, the fact that you do what's asked of you and that you're a hard, hard worker. Well, so, it, started, it started through special teams. Remember, I right. I made special teams and then they they I was a one on special team and then I was the backup for Woody, the tight end. And right. so at any point in a drive, he got tired, he would sub me in for punt. And so I got on the bus through special teams and then by traveling, I was able to get more playing time as a tight end. Yes. And so I, I, you know, shout out to to then, you know, at least taking a look at you through scout team, through special teams. Um, you knew that's the thing about being a mom of a college player. We don't hear things like we don't hear things. We don't know what's going on. Um, we're 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 definitely farther away from the athlete than we are in high school. Right. Um, you're away. You're two hours away. You know, you don't call me every night. We're not talking every night. So you knew what 19 was looking like for you, the end of 19, the beginning of, of 20, you, you were on it. Like you knew what was happening way before I did. I just kept saying, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. Like, I don't know. We're just practicing. We're not going to have a season. We've picked. Well, do you remember, uh, do you remember when, so we were living at Chipper's house, which is your old boyfriend. Uh, and we were sitting in the living room and they said spring break get got moved for another week. Uh, it right. got it got expanded right. to another week and we were like oh that's exciting we get an extra week of spring break and then one week turned into two and then it turned into oh this might be a lot longer than we think yeah that's 2020 but I remember in 19 you I feel like you knew some of it like you you were knowing more of it than I did prior to, to 2020 um and then you got sick and see people don't know this you got sick in February February of 2020, right before COVID became, COVID was in the news, but it was in China. Remember, it wasn't really in the United States yet. You got sick and you thought you were going to die. And you, I got the call, mom, I'm thinking I'm dying. That's a great call to get from your kid. <laughs> other than the, when he got in the car accident and he goes, mom, I got hit. And I'm like, you got hit with what? <laughs> um, so you had been really, really sick. Then you got better pretty quickly. Um and then, yeah, and then I forgot about the spring break. Um, and thanks for bringing Chipper in on this. He's going to just think he's a movie star now. Um, so, yeah, it just, and then the world fell apart, right? The world fell apart. And, um, yeah, decisions have to be made about who, where are you going to be? Where, who, you know, I, I didn't want my son stuck in Huntsville by himself. Um, we were in the middle of, of housing in between. And so we, we were we were needing a place to stay. I had my son away from me. So Dominique and I packed suitcases, put everything in storage, packed suitcases, and went up and stayed with Dalton for uh, two months. Two months, yeah, until I bought the house we're in now. <clears throat> so 
and and sad as COVID was and the losses that we had, it was probably one of my best times as us as a family because everything was shut down. We were forced to be together. We liked to be together. We played games. We watched TV. We made dinner. We made food. We, um, You guys were filming theater online. You were doing podcast stuff or you were doing something online. Um, it, I really enjoyed it as a mom. I was sad of where the world was at, but I liked having my babies under one roof again. Um, we worked out every day. We we would do the hills in Huntsville almost every day. I don't know why I didn't lose more weight. Um, but yeah, I the unknown, I was able to keep working. So I could work remotely. I had worked remotely prior for years prior. So I could continue working. If I couldn't continue working, looking back on that would have been a whole different thing because we would have lost everything, right? Because I'm the sole provider. Um, but I could keep working. So I could work remotely. And I could take care of business, but I think psychologically what it does to athletes as they're waiting is tough. I think it was tough on you. Um, and I think you just didn't, you, you were waiting for your chance to play and now you don't even know if you're going to get it. And I remember you working out and you're just like, I have to work out. I have to get better. You know, I can't just sit around. Um, when's my time going to be? Am I going to be able to be that? I've been waiting so long for this time. So I think psychologically, it was really tough on you. But because you're quiet, and you don't complain a lot. Um, I don't know if I knew that per se. Um, I think looking back, I can see it, but I didn't know it in the middle of it. Um, how how were you psychologically during that time? And you had your mother living with you. So I'm sure that was so fun for you. I mean, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, it, it I think it would have been a lot worse if I was by myself at the time. It, it was tough because uh, me and Isaac Schley, he just got in there and we started working out together, doing quarantine lifts. And we just didn't really know what the plan was, what if we're going to have a season or not. And it just felt really long in terms of we didn't really know what was going to happen. But I guess the positive of that is if COVID doesn't happen, I'm not at San Antonio playing for UIW. My career would be over as a college football athlete. Um, because I reached my five years. And so I guess I do have a good thing about uh, COVID as in, as in I got to play a six year. But uh, I mean, I'm glad. Obviously, I'm glad we got the spring season because of what happened. But um, yeah, it was a long stretch of just not really knowing what to do and and just kind of sitting there. And I once Isaac, me and Isaac worked out for a little bit and then he ended up going back to Colorado. And so now I'm having to try to run on my own and running by yourself is impossible it's so hard and then trying to make lifts up out in the in lawn or trying to do something and so it was tough um but like I said I wouldn't be at San Antonio with Incarnate Word if I didn't if COVID didn't happen so I'm glad it did I guess I'm, I guess I shouldn't say that I'm glad it happened but uh it's and cool. I and I think I saw your team come together in a difference that I had never seen prior to that and like you said, you guys started working out together. You started hanging out more together. You had more time to, to, to meet new people. Your friend group changed, you know, your, your football friend group changed. Um, it seemed like you guys got tighter. Um, I, I really think it did something to, to your team. And I think that's why you won the championship. I think the team that you became in and out of the locker room is why you won 21 games. I really well, it's do. funny that you say in and out of the locker room because remember at that time we didn't even have a locker room. So I think <laughs> in and out the able, tent. <laughs> yeah, I think being able to have to carry our our pads up the up the stadium and, and drive around, wear masks, the gaiters. I 
Uh, you always say the funny story of that. You had to buy me like six or seven custom gaiters because the ones that were team given were too tight and then being in the weight room. So I think it all just kind of added up. But um, my first question of the national championship season is, so at that point, I kind of became more of a, a staple to the team and uh, I was a prominent number two. What was your first opinion on meeting Isaac, who me and him ended up becoming a good two tight end combo, but what do you think of him? Because he ended up becoming one of my best friends and, and he still is, but, uh, you know, being a mom, were you angry because he's coming to take the spot or did it just kind of work out? And, and we ended up, you ended up liking him. Look at him lead into that. Look at him lead into that. So yeah, anytime they would always bring in a tight end was always coming in to kind of threaten Dalton's position, right? He's six, five, he's this, he's fast. He's coming from this school. He's coming from that. And I just got tired of it. You know, I got tired of always having somebody that Dalton's going to be in front of Dalton. So Isaac comes in from Georgetown and Dalton's like, Oh, there's another tight end coming in. And, you know, I'm like, and they start working out together. And he's like, well, I've been working out with Isaac. And I'm like, great make him better and then i met him i actually was in i don't know how i was you i was at your house and you forgot something and i brought it to you and he you were working out with him and up runs this sweet gentleman kind funny kid a kid he's grown but I liked him immediately and he adored Dalton and he just gave Dalton every credit of, of helping him, of getting him adjusted and they were going to be teammates. And I was like, there you go. That's, that's it. Having, having one that does something really well and the other one that does something really well. And together we're going to do this. And Isaac came in with that. And I was like, okay, I like this because I knew Dalton wasn't the tallest kid. I knew he wasn't going to be in the end zone over jumping over somebody. But I knew if you had a third down and you needed a first down, you, you bring it to Dalton. So I, I knew their strengths. So I liked him immediately as soon as I met him. I loved you two together. You were so goofy and funny. He's so goofy and funny. He's smart. And then that's when you started being friends with with the GOAT, with Eric. You started being friends with, with your O-line team. And you started becoming part of the O-line. And it just really started working. And I loved that season. 21 games it was amazing the the i'm sorry i'm talking past your question but um i just loved that season because of how you guys treated each other how the team treated each other everybody knew what they brought to it and it was important um and that's what i felt i always wanted for you is that you, what you bring to this position is important and quit trying to wipe it away um and i think through isaac and you being together is what showed the coaches and the team that this can work like this. So what, what point in the season did you think, Oh, wow, this, this team might have a chance. Was it until the playoffs? Was it halfway through? Was it in the very beginning? At what point did the flip, the switch flip for you? God, I'm trying to think. Um, I remember there was a game we won Kind of. Oh, I think it was Sela. What remember? Who was the big quarterback for Sela? So good. Uh, Cole Kelly. Yes, I think it was playing them. I was like, oh, because we beat them. I was like, oh, okay. 
because if you guys know Dalton, we're going to lose to all the good teams. He'll go, oh, Sela's going to beat us. Oh, so-and-so's going to beat us. Oh, they're going to beat us. And so I had watched him the year before. He was good, but I, I thought he was okay. <laughs> I just, he there was nobody that could catch him. So you could be the greatest quarterback in the world, but if nobody can catch you, what's the point? So when we beat them, I pay, I paid attention. And then I'll never forget when I met Eric. Do you remember when I met Eric? You were so mad at me. I met Eric. And if you don't know Eric, our quarterback at the time, he's tiny. He must weigh. How much do you weigh? hundred pounds wet. I mean, he's little, he's tall, but he's little. And I, he walked in and I was like, boy, you need to eat a burger. Like you need to put some weight on. I need you for the whole season is what I told him. And Dalton's like, good God, mother. That guy is the toughest. And when I saw him just show so much tenacity out there and that he would take hit after hit after hit and scramble and scramble, stay in the pocket fine. And then when I saw Jaquez and I saw Noah Smith and I saw, what's the other little running, the other one that runs with Noah? Huh? Ife. Ife. I was like, damn. And then our D-line was huge. I was like, this is it. We we've got this. Jaquez is is a is a freak of nature. So yeah, I just started. You just started seeing it come together, and you just knew that we got this. Um, and I don't care what all the naysayers say about the season. We had a good team, and to me, if we had had that team and played A and M last year, we would have smoked them. I that's just my take on that because I thought A and M was awful when we just played them last year. Um, so, yeah, I think it was early on that you could feel it gelling together and you could feel you guys like each other. You could feel um, you could just feel it. And I think Keeler talks about that, like just feeling it, um, just feeling it, feeling the team come together. Doesn't he? I think you've said that. Yeah. And you, and you can kind of tell. And it, it, once again, it kind of comes through COVID and not having a locker room, not having a field house that we had to come together as a group and. We just had a we had a chip on our shoulder the whole season and and you saw it and you got to experience it. And so now the big question is talk to me through the national championship as, as a mother, um, super raining, super stormy, oh, but gosh. just leading up to it, knowing talk to me about the the JMU game, knowing we oh, were, were going to the national championship and then the whole experience from your perspective throughout the game and then finally when the confetti falls. So that's the thing when you ask me about high school, because this drive to the national championship is ingrained in my head i'll never ever forget it it is the best memory i have as a parent in the stand the best memories i mean each time we were playing a a juggernaut right we were going to get killed by this team everybody well oh here comes someone's even mammoth how you say it mammoth 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 even when they came in they were going to beat us so every time somebody came in they were going to beat us and we would beat them and i'd be in the stands going that's right that's, and and we would point to our fingers, right? Because we wanted a ring. So Dalton would look up, and I just point to my finger, like closer to a ring. And it was it was it was a little hard because the stands were full, and the stands had never been like packed where there's people sitting right next to me. And I'm like, where are you people from? Like, get out of my way. This is my team. Like, I'm why are you up against me? Um, the JMU. The story I have about the JMU game is we were losing, right, pretty badly. I had people texting me, oh, congratulations on such a great season. That was, you know, sorry, sorry for in the third quarter. Sorry for the loss. 
all these. And I was like, oh, you don't know this team. I could tell. I knew this team well enough that I knew when you went into this, when you went to locker room, you were going to come out a different team. And the whole story is that the stands had turned against you. So the stands had turned against you and were yelling at the coaches, were yelling at the players, were yelling at Isaac. And there was a bunch of kids that were yelling at Isaac and yelling. And so when you guys walked to the to the uh, halftime right by us, they started yelling at you, like just saying awful things. And I turned around and I said, shut the F up right now. It just flew out of my mouth. Like, those are my boys. Stop it. They got this. They're going to come out and win this game. And we got in a fight in the stadium. <laughs> Shout out to Chelsea and my daughter. Um, somebody else started yelling, somebody's dad, who I won't say, started yelling. He's not on the team anymore. He graduated, that should tell you. Um, started yelling back at me. Somebody else called me a Karen, and they were all yelling at me. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm protecting my team, and I just blew everybody off. And it was a, it was a, it was an ordeal for about 15 minutes. And then, of course, Dalton yelled at me for another hour when I got home. <laughs> but that team came out and won. And don't think I didn't turn around and say something to all those people. I told you! I was so obnoxious. I was so excited. I knew you were going to win. I knew it. I saw the heart of that team. I knew you were going to win. And there is, I think it was on TV, they caught you running, like running to the sideline, running to the stands. And I was like, look, my son's looking for his mother. And you were like, no, I was looking for something else. I was like, can you just tell everybody you were looking for your mother when you ran over to the stands? Because it looks really sweet that like you're running over to the stands. That was by far the most exciting game I've ever watched in your career. Um, even more than the national championship. That game, because if you lost, you weren't going, right? Um, that was a great game. I loved being beating North Dakota because they were supposed to wipe the floor with us as well. And then, of course, driving to... I drove up to Dallas. Uh, I was driving by myself. Your your sister flew in. I grabbed her. And so it was just me and her. We were the only two in the stands. We met up with another mom and, of course, um, one of your BFS, Chelsea. And it was weird because it was COVID. So it was half. They weren't selling, I think, all the seats. They were, like, leaving every other seat blank. Um, it was supposed to rain, and it did pour. It poured and poured. It was a little cold. It was just such a a, a yucky way to watch the game. But the game was fantastic. I, I mean, the game was just heart stopping. I think you said at one time you looked over my head was in my hands. Like I couldn't even watch towards the end. I couldn't even watch. I just had my head down because I couldn't even watch. I could not watch. Um, it was just amazing. I can't. I hope every parent in here gets to experience some type of win like that because it just is your heart stops and then you can breathe. Um, the funny story is that my daughter was taping it. She was taping the last play because I said, tape the last play so we can see them all jumping up. So she's taping it. You guys kick the ball off and the guy starts running it and he keeps running it and you're not stopping him. And so I start going, stop him, stop him. And I think that I sound really cool. Like, stop him. I sound like the witched witch of the West. I was like, <laughs> it's awful. It's the worst ever. And I was like, son, do I sound like that? And you're like, yeah, kind of. I'm like, oh my God, I don't think I'll ever cheer again. But um, it was so great. I can't even, I don't know. There's no words to say how great it was to 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 see that and to know that you were going to get that ring and, and that that happened for you. And you got to play. You were in that game. You know, you got to play that, some of that game. So yeah, yeah shout great. out to Eric the Goat. Yeah, great memory. We It's been talked about so many times. It's cool to see a perspective from, from a mother 
and then kind of finishing out the next season, it, it was fun. It's nothing It's nothing compared to the spring season, of course. Uh, losing to Montana State was unfortunate, kind of the end of the road. You talk about that you saw kind of the team, and I've spoken on it. We just were done. We were yeah, tired. I knew walking in. I walked, I took two steps in, and I turned to Dominique and said, we're not winning this one. And I've never said that. I never said that through 21 games. I never said that. I could tell. I could tell you guys ran out. I could tell by your body language. I could tell you were just done. And it's not, you know, I, I would get in Twitter. I would read Twitter and get so mad about, well, they didn't play as many as we did, or we didn't do this. We didn't do that. This team was just tired. And, and you, I read it on your faces. And as soon as that first call, it was kind of a bad call. I just said, we're not coming back from this. I just knew. Um, and I guess you guys knew too, you know, you weren't going to come and Montana wanted it. They were going to do, they had blood coming out. They were ready. They're fire breathing. Um, you guys just weren't, you weren't fire breathing for it. You yeah, were like, here was, you go. You guys we were so tired. Yeah. 21 I mean, after 21 games in a, in a year, you just, we, we, we came out wanting to win the game. We just all physically were hurt, all banged up, ready to kind of keep, keep it going and so the next year happens. Uh, of course, we were ineligible due to moving to Conference USA. They started redshirting all players, which, you know, while it sucked for the in terms of the team, it was a chance for me to kind of play more. And so you kind of you got to see me start a couple of games. How was that? And then finally, towards the end, you knew and I knew that our road at Sam Houston was over. Uh, I was going to hit the portal. And so kind of talk about that, because. You've seen the portal as you get to pay attention, and but you probably didn't think that I was ever going to enter it. I was never going to leave. And so kind of talk about the last season and then my eventual, my departure from Sam Houston. So, you know, I, I won't mention my true feelings of that last season. Um, you know, I don't, again, I did not understand truly what it was going to look like to be ineligible. Um you know, I knew we weren't going to go to playoffs. I kept saying, you sure we don't go to playoffs? So I knew we weren't going to go to playoffs. I just didn't know that it really was a quote unquote wasted year. It really is somewhat of a wasted year. They scholarshiped you. You were full ride. You had been a semi ride. Um, this was your first full ride. Um, they wanted you in the locker room. The coach called me and said, I want I want him in the locker room. He's really important to us. Um, so you didn't hit the port. A lot of players hit the portal a lot of your teammates hit the portal that had eligibility left and you stayed and you stayed because they wanted you to stay. And I thought it was important that somebody, an, a veteran stay around and be in the locker room and be on the field. Um, so I agreed with your decision to stay. Um, you had a really good relationship with your coach. Um, you bled for that team. You had done everything that was asked of you up until that point. So um, I agreed with you staying. Uh, as I struggle for words. So we had some goals, <laughs> we, because I'm part of this, uh, you, you had some goals that we talked about, I should say, um, and you had achieved many of them. One that you hadn't achieved was to get your name announced on the screen. So what would happen was if, if, somebody, else, if, if somebody else was deemed the number one starter, they would have their name on the screen, no matter if Dalton started or not. It would just be the one would be there all, all year long, no matter who started or not. So finally, this season, you were able to get your name on the screen. And I th that was one of the last goals. And and it was so nice to see your name, to say them some Alvin High School and to have it up there. And we videotaped it. So, you know, that was a goal. And then, of course, to score. Um, they You were never really in the in 
ever being called upon to receive the ball to score. And you did. You did uh, the two-point conversion. You did it. It was a great play. Um, we were so excited. So it was like, that was the final of your goals. It was everything that we had said, that was the last that had done, that had been completed that season. So the way that you were somewhat treated that this last season, I could see the writing on the wall that we needed to transfer portal. I wanted you to transfer portal. We started having the conversation about transfer portal. Um, and you had talked to obviously your coach about transfer, getting in the transfer portal and things. So I knew halfway in that that was going to be, that was going to be in the cards for you. Um, very, very sad. We bled orange. We've bled orange. You've been orange since you were nine, nine years old. Um, we bled orange for Sam. I adored Sam. I adored everything there. I did everything I could as a parent to support that program. So I was sad. I was sad that we were leaving and I was sad that they were letting go a veteran that could be one of the few players to play six years, all six years from start to finish for a football team. Because remember, that's not going to be anywhere in the future because this was a COVID year. So the rarity of a player starting with a team and ending with a team in six years is a rarity. And I just was very sad that they couldn't keep you around for one more year to, to be that leader. I always thought, I thought you should have been team captain last year. Um, I thought you should have been on more media. I really thought that you had a place for all that. So yeah, I was sad. And so was a lot of other people. So was a lot of other people that followed your career that followed walk on radio. were really sad that, that you were going to um, leave and not necessarily out of your own decision. Um, you did teach me that it's a business. You taught me, you were the one saying, mom, it's a business. You have to understand it's a business. I am not, a, I'm not an FBS size. I'm not the size that they want for FBS. It's just the way it is. It's a business. And let me go find a place that fits my talents and fits what I have to offer. And I said, a hundred percent. And when we decided that as a team, me and you, it seemed perfect. That wasn't so sad anymore. Like, you're right. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's get to the city. Let's go. Let's 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 blow this popsicle stand. <laughs> let's go. And and I didn't think FBS was for you anyways. I, I really do think that FCS Division One is is your place to shine. Um, so once we got there, um, I stopped being sad and bitter. I was a little bitter um, because I knew how much you left your heart on that field, even though you're not loud and obnoxious, you left your heart there. Um, so yeah, but the right thing, definitely the right thing. Yeah. And then finally kind of getting to where we are now, let's talk about the transfer portal because I was home for most of it. And so you kind of got to experience it, uh, being on Twitter all the time, answering messages, and then being able to go on visits again and kind of travel some more. You got to go to a couple of them. So kind of talk about the transfer portal from your side of things and, and how we ended up here in San Antonio with the University of Incarnate Word. You know, the unknown of the transfer portal is what's hard mentally. Um, you're being told that only what, what is it they say, 6% or something's going to get picked up. That started being all over Twitter and that there was 3,000 people in the transfer portal. And these kids that were jumping around from FBS, coming down to FCS, these five-star recruits, you know, jumping all over the place you start getting nervous. You start seeing the people and we would track all the other tight ends that were jumping in, right? Like, oop, this guy from, from Alabama jumped in, but then we figure out he's a third string, but still a third string Alabama is a pretty darn good player. 
So the unknown is really scary for a parent. Um, the unknown of where you could end up, where are we moving you? Where are we putting your stuff? What are we doing with you? What, how much money is it going to take? Who likes you? Who doesn't like you? D1, D3, D2. It just, the unknowns don't do well with the Myers. And so uh, I love that I got to spend time with you. I love that we got to hang out. Um, you do not like my gym. So it always, I won't say which gym it is, but you don't like my gym. And so you were very anxious to get back to the grind somewhere. So your anxiousness of wanting to know and get back to the grind was hard. My anxiousness of wondering where you're going to end up um, was hard. The nice thing was some really wonderful people. And I know that they're made to try to recruit you, but that's the first time we had people saying how wonderful you were. It'd been so long to hear how wonderful you were versus how short you are, you know, like you're only six, two. And of course, all my friends are like, he's ginormous. I'm like, I know he's too short for a tight end. Um, so for people to come and say, no, we, we like what we see, man. This is a great kid. We like him. We want him. I loved it. I was like, ah, no, isn't he the greatest ever? Um, it was just great. We met some really young <laughs> out the gate coaches that were really nice you made some friends i guess you made some some people that you can probably touch back touch base with again um but the unknown i don't i that was tough i always say that's not for the the uh, everything you've gone through is not for the week i'll tell you that from walk on to transfer portal um and being in a position of a fullback and a blocking tight end which is a dying breed all those things to me has been uh, it's tough and and your tenacity shows through and i hope people see see that uh but i'm glad it's over yeah. <laughs> glad. thank you uiw and the funny thing is i had said uiw from the very beginning right when you said transfer portal i said fcs you're like i want to go to fbs i want to go to you i want to go to all these big schools i'm like yeah but let's play. Let's go somewhere where you're going to play and let's go somewhere where you're going to really give back to the team. And you're like, well, I'll go sit the bench on a and I'll go sit the bench on UT. And I'm like, no, 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 go play somewhere. And right away I said, what about UIW? Right. That was on our radar in the very, and in, in, right in the very beginning. And you said, well, I've reached out. I just haven't heard anything yet. And I said, okay. And you're like, I reached out, you reached out to everybody, right? You reached out to try to find a place and UIW was one of the spots. Um, so we definitely had a discussion about UIW in the very beginning. Yeah. And then kind of wrapping things up, uh, let's talk about the official visit to UIW that you got to be a part of and what led to the final decision to come here and become a Cardinal, because you were just as important of a decision as it was for me. I always tell coaches that you were my agent. And so what did you see at UIW that, that I saw and then, you know, I, I say that we committed on the visit because we did. Uh, right after the visit, we told Coach Darlington and Coach Killo, hey, we're going to go ahead and come here. I don't need any more time to think about it. I'm ready to roll. So what did you see at UIW at San Antonio that confirmed my decision to come here? Well, we had been some other visits and and not that those weren't fun and, and the coaches weren't nice and they weren't. They were great. Those other visits were really great. And I know the ones you did solo were really good, too. The thing that I, I always trust my intuition. I think I'm 99% on my intuition. And when we got there, I'm always very standoffish because I always think you're, you're trying to blow smoke, right? You're trying to sell me something. And so I'm a little bit standoffish because I want to kind of see the room and, 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 and see what's going on here. 
Um, and so we went to dinner and pretty much right on at dinner, I was sitting to my right. I had a coach to my, I had a coach to my right. I had a staffer and then Dalton was sitting to his tight end coach to his left. So I didn't really couldn't hear that conversation. So I was having a conversation with the coach to my right and I liked him, boy, I liked him immediately. And there's a player across from me that was being recruited and I liked him, um, there was another staffer uh, uh, right across from me and I liked him. Um, and I was like, God, I really, I really kind of like these guys. Like, I, I like what they say. I like how, how they are. I like, they're respectful. They're well-spoken. Um, they're casual and they're giving me credit and they're talking to me. They're not trying to talk around me to Dalton. So I was like, okay, okay. All right. I, I feel you. I get this. Um, and then we continued with our activities and I, I started feeling relaxed. Like I started feeling relaxed. I started feeling like this is a cool city. I'd been to San Antonio. Of course, we live here a bunch of times, but I was like, God, this feels familiar. I like this. I feel comfortable. I feel like I can ask questions. I feel like I just felt like this, this vibe was pretty neat and pretty different. And so as we continued, and then I, I spent a little more time with the tight ends coach, and I asked a thousand questions. To Dalton's dismay, I asked a thousand questions. And he'll always go, mother, enough with the questions. This time he let me go, and he let me really have the questions. And I was just, I had access to every single coach in that room. And they weren't irritated that I had questions. They They acknowledged them. They hugged me goodbye. They hugged me hello. I mean, I just was like this is really neat culture. And I didn't think, and it wasn't fake. I would watch them with each other. I would watch them with other parents. Um, they were very kind. And at one point your head coach came over to us at chicken and pickle and we had a conversation about his mom, right? We, we, we learned about his mom. We talked about his mom. We talked about pickleball. I mean, I just think the culture there was different than I had felt anywhere else. Um, and that's when I, and I wasn't telling you anything, right? I wasn't saying, hey, son, this is where you need to be. I wasn't saying anything because I knew this needed to be your decision. And I didn't want you ever to go anywhere that you thought would please me. Um, and so at some point, I said to you, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? And you're like, yeah, I, I, I think so. But I want to go home and think about it. Remember, your first thing was, but I want to go home and think about it. I said, okay, okay, whatever you want to do. And then at some point, we came, I came back and said, son, this is it. This, this is it. I feel it. This is it. And you go, I do too. And I said, um, are you going to tell them now? Or are you going to make them wait? He goes, no, I think I'll tell them now. And when you told them there was such an eruption of thankfulness and excitement and, and, and joy. And it wasn't fake. It, I mean, coaches were coming out that, Hey, did I hear you say yes? And yeah, I'm giving you high fives. And everybody was super excited and I'm bawling. I'm crying. And so we meet with the head coach and he says, so how's it going? You know, how was the visit? And I go, well, I can't stop crying. And he's like, why? And Dalton goes, cause I'm committing. And he jumped up and gives, gives us both a hug and say, you're going to love it here. And that's just the, that, and that's still the energy I feel from those coaches. I still feel that energy. So um, I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, I think there's a little bit of hardship of living in a dorm again. <laughs> <laughs> but I I love that you're here. Um, I really do think it's a good fit. Yeah, and I think too with it, uh, and you saw it as as I committed. Is we we're bringing in a whole new team. We have a whole new group of guys. 
uh, 31 transfers, a bunch of new freshmen. And so the, it's very similar to the team that we had in the national championship run and, and the vibes are very similar and it's a chance to go compete for another national championship and to get that feeling again. And so I, I feel really confident about this team and I'm excited and uh, it's not far where you can come up to some games if you want. You're, you always say that you're only going to come to a couple, but we all know you'll be at all of them. Um, and so I'm even coming to the spring game. I just asked him, can I come to the spring game? I'm like, why am I going to a spring game? But I can't wait. I can't wait to go see and be in the stands. And, and we've already have parents are already met each other and there's already group me and we're part of the, this alumni group has reached out and what a welcoming, what a welcoming place as well. And, and like you said, there's all new coaches too. Right. And but they know each other. They've they've been um, doing teamwork and, and getting to know each other, too. Um, but I'll tell this quick little story is that when we were trying to get you, they wanted you up there right away. We were waiting for the dorms to kind of open for you and get you a spot. And we were waiting. We literally had all both of our cars packed. They were completely packed. And we were being told, yes, no, yes, no. Like even one point we started driving and they told us no. And we came back because of the dorm, the housing situation. Well, I had access to his tight end coach. I mean, he gave me his phone number and I just said, Hey, I need some help here. What's going on with housing. We, you know, we're, we're in this lurch immediately called me immediately started taking, you know, handling things immediately um, being my advocate. And so that kind of just tells you the, the, the strength of that, of that group of coaches and they're young. I mean, I could be the mother of all of them, um, but I think that's what this. I think the field of football needs these younger coaches coming in with their energy, with their new their way of understanding mental health, understanding what a player needs, understanding that you know just because you throw weights up you know every single day does not make you stronger. You know, understanding injuries. Um, I think this head coach is special. Yeah, I think you're yeah. gonna. And I think the cool thing about Kilo too is. Uh... He wants to be a Cardinal. He he wants to build this and he wants to be here for a while. He was a player here. He was a, an equipment guy here. He was a GA. So he's worked his way up. And I mean, he told us a couple of days ago, look, I'm not leaving. I, I want to build this dynasty and to be the guy. And for me, it's going to be a one-year deal, but for me, for me to be his first on his first team and I was uh, Coach Darlington's first ever commit recruit because uh, it's his first time being a tight ends coach. It's just a lot of interesting stuff, and it it definitely it, it all adds up together. And my last question for you is, what is your emotions going to be, or have you thought about it that this is probably it? You know, I'm not I'm not an NFL player. Uh, is the XFL, the USFL, a place I want to go? I don't know yet, but this is probably my last time playing football, college football, or, or maybe in football as general. So, have you given it thought? What are your emotions and, and and what advice would you give to mothers of a high school player or a college player or just somebody that has a child going through athletics? What advice would you give to them? You know, it's funny. I think I went through it leaving Sam. I think I went through the sadness of all of that when you left Sam. Now it's like icing on the cake. Now it's just like, let's go have fun. Let's do this. And then hurry up and get home. Let's go play pickleball and let's go play softball and let's go play volleyball and get home and get back to your mother. Um, empty nest is not doing well for me. <laughs> so I think there's a part of it of like, I can't wait for you to to, to become an adult so that we can hang out. Um, so selfishly, I, I can't wait for, for you to, to 
become an adult and, and be able to do all the fun things me and your sister do. But I do think there's a spot for you in the XFL. I really do. I think there's a spot for you in the USFL. Um, so I'm not necessarily closing the book on your football career. I think you could coach. I think you could be an announcer. You could work games. I think there's a thousand things you could do in the sport field. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of you somewhere in the field. So I don't feel the end of this quite yet. I, I maybe this is the last time you'll ever be in pads, but I don't think it's the last time you'll be around the sport. Um, I also do think you're super talented across the board. I think I'm going to see you on a theater stage. I think I'm going to see you in a voiceover. I think I'm going to see you in all these other things that are going to open the door for you. So I don't, I don't view it as an end really. I just view it as the next step of, of your adult life. Um, what advice I have to football moms um, one is to find other football moms because it's a really different situation when you're having a college athlete. Cause all my friends that don't have college athletes, they don't get it. They're like, we, we, why is he still doing this? Why is he working out? Why is he not having a job? Why is he not doing this? They don't get what it takes to be a college athlete. So I think having another friend, another mom friend that has a kid in it helps and it helps you have somebody to talk to and sit, sit within the stands and just kind of commiserate with and have a sounding board because your friends and family don't get it. They won't get it. Um, I do feel a little bummed for you that you don't have a dad around that you can bounce football stuff off of because I drive you crazy not knowing the game as well as you do. Um, so it does help for families that have a, a, a dad that can that can help through that. I've been I do the best I can trying to to support you with a, with a football career. Um, but I know it's tough having just a mom, um, the dorky mom on the sidelines trying to help you. Um, I don't, I think everybody's, uh, I think everybody's way, like if you asked the twins mom, the McCullen twins mom, her is going to be so different than mine, right? Cause they were fully scholarshiped out, you know, that type of thing. But then there's other players on the, on, that I'm watching other moms on the Sam team, I'm watching them struggle because their 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 son is struggling mental mental health, that type of thing. Being really aware of their mental health and and how that um, how you're far from that, like you just don't have a way to reach out and and help them. So, I don't know. I don't think I have any advice. I I have more situational advice. Like if you want to talk to me about being a walk on or going the transfer portal, hit me up. Hit my DMs. Um, <laughs> but I think everybody's path is so different that I really don't have a whole lot of advice other than find others that have the same situation as you do. Well, mother, it's been a, a long, but a great episode. Uh, it was really cool to kind of see my journey through your perspective. Uh, any last words before we finish this episode out? Um, so proud of you. See, now I'm going to cry. I'm so proud of you. You know, I adore you and I love you, but I'm so proud of how hard you've worked People do not know the behind the scenes of, of, of what you've been through to work, to try to have your dream, um, to, to fulfill your dream, to fulfill all your goals. You've worked hard and just because you're not loud about it um, doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And this kid is a trooper. He's a tank. He hates that I call him that, but he is, there's nobody on the field that's going to be stronger and, and, and more fingers in the ground than this kiddo. So thank you for, for such a great five years. I'm looking forward to this last one. Um, thank you for walk on radio. I think it's terrific. This was all on, this was all done on yours. I had nothing to do with walk on radio at all. Not even the name, the logo, nothing. So kudos kiddo. Proud of you. Your mom's super proud of you. 
Well, thank you, mom. I, I love you too. Uh, thanks for joining the show and, and kind of telling your side of things and you'll find her on Twitter, retweeting my stuff and quoting walk on radio. So she's not hard to find. And, uh, we're going to keep going with some episodes. I'm going to have some more guests on. We're going to get close to the combine and the draft. So we'll, I'll get a draft episode out soon, but decided to keep walk on radio going and, uh, Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.